Welcome to the Hearth of Satbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton, and I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers and the Grass-Fed Gourmet. This podcast is the audio version of my blog, which can be found at sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net. Bob didn't want a cake for his birthday. He didn't want a candle, and he didn't want a fuss. But we needed all those things. That's what I'll be talking about this week on the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow. I'm standing at the kitchen sink trying to rinse frosting from my freshly washed hair when I realize I have a choice. It all started with Bob's birthday two days ago. I don't want anything, he told me a few days earlier. His birthday comes and it feels like the first true spring day we've had this year. I rise early to proof a batch of morning buns for him. When they come out of the oven, We brew two batches of coffee, pack it all up in travel mugs and thermoses, lay a tray of pastries for the kids, then head off into the woods for the entire morning. This is a day of decadence for us. The sun warms our faces as we hike out from under the tree canopy to sit beside one of our favorite birding ponds. We watch the geese and the ducks catch sight of a kingfisher, hear a yellow-rumped warbler, and drink in the first calls of the spring peepers with our first sips of coffee. For us, this is bliss, perfection. We want nothing more for ourselves than this seed on the ground, the warmth in our hands, the buttery pull of the pastries between our fingers, the sounds of the geese and the peepers, the light splashing across the water. Bob doesn't want a birthday party. He doesn't want a cake We make sure the kids understand. He just wants this. 
we return to find that the kids have done the weekend cleaning for us before heading down to the farm to help with lambing. With no house to clean, we run down to the post office and discover all of West Fulton seems to have bloomed at six-foot intervals. Neighbors call to each other, sit out on their stoops and wave, call out from car windows. The fear of this pandemic has been mollified by a community's adherence to the letter of the law, coupled with neighbors' fierce determination to fire love, jokes, and connection farther than any possible airborne virus particles. With the farm well in hand and the week's labors complete and the house clean, Bob and I turn our attention to our yard with luxuriant wonder. I pull weeds and divide perennials as he repairs the compost bin and shovels soil. It's been five years since the cafe opened. Five years since we've had a Saturday free to do such Saturday things. On this day, in the face of so much worldwide trouble, we cloister ourselves to celebrate these vast riches. Good weather, a gift of time and health, good food, nice neighbors, places to roam, fun work, amazing kids. And then the weather turns. The first snowstorm is always welcome here at Zatbush Hollow. The last one is dreaded, with good reason. We get six inches of wet, sloppy snow on Sunday. The farm is thrown into upheaval. It happens every year. One moment we think spring has finally come, the next we're shoveling snow and bringing lambs in to warm up by the wood stove. Still, Saturday's glow stays with me, and I marvel at our good fortune. These three kids who are absorbed with the work, who take pride in their contributions, Kate, who's becoming a keen manager, overseeing their tasks and keeping them organized, Grammy and Pop-Up, who call from the farmhouse to report the latest antics that unfold with teenagers and livestock. I keep tabs from my own house, put a Sunday ham roast in the oven, watch the snow, and wait for everyone to come home to dinner. But with the weather, Grammy and Pop-Pop decide not to come. And when she calls to tell me, Grammy starts to cry. That's when the bubble bursts. It all seems so very okay, until it isn't. My mom misses me this snowy night. The kids have gone home, the snow is mounting, and the sadness and confusion of the world come banging at the farm gate. I settle in at my desk and cradle the receiver against my ear. Pop-Pop picks up on the extension. There, the three of us stay for the next hour, connected by the phone wires, telling stories of the day, ignoring the banging at the gate until it gives up for the night and goes away. But it pounds again on Monday morning. By then, Bob and I are back to our own labors, taking the food delivery, disinfecting jugs of milk, updating inventory, moving, packing, cleaning, calling, filing, number crunching, doing web work, all the things that are now part of our new normal work week. Grammy and Pop-Pop's new normal isn't like that. Our family is their world now. There's no sapbush Saturdays at the cafe to catch up with friends and neighbors. Pop-Pop doesn't have coffee with his friends in town. Grammy doesn't get to go to Pilates or yoga with her neighbors. She doesn't get to haul and pack and lift and write and crunch numbers like Bob and me. She doesn't get to climb over fences and squat down with the newborn lambs or throw her weight against the sows to fend them off from a bucket of feed or hoist the chicken pens and drag them to new grass. She gets to follow the news. She gets to worry about us. She gets to despair about the weather. 
Ula finds her crying when she comes in from the barn. She texts and asks if we can redo Sunday dinner on Monday. I agree. Then she and Grammy start to plan the birthday party. Even though Bob didn't want a birthday party. Even though Bob didn't want a cake. Bob and I, meanwhile, are back in the throes of our own week. The house has gone to chaos again. There's fat to render on the counter, broth to strain on the stove. We're tired from our day, and I long for a hot shower. I'll start dinner after I've had one. I come downstairs, my hair still wrapped in a towel, ready to make sausage and peppers. Grammy and Pop-Pop are in the next room, settling beside the fire with cocktails. I want to toss dinner in the oven and go join them. But there's a banging noise as I come into the kitchen. Ool is at the counter, thwacking a pan against a butcher block, trying to get a resistant cake to release. Crumbs and baking racks and frosting cover my workspace. The adrenaline from her panic over the trapped cake spreads like yet another virus. A second batch of blue frosting soup is on the back counter. The snow from outside has come inside in the form of powdered sugar, coating my entire kitchen in a sticky mess. Her frosting has failed. She fears her cake has failed. She looks up at me, eyes wide and wet. Mom, help me. I've enjoyed two days of freedom with my husband. I've been delighting in the independence, self-reliance, and helpfulness of my children. I've been drinking in the sweet liberty and calm that has been the unexpected gift of this pandemic. And it's one hour before my bedtime. Bob didn't want a cake. I don't want a cake. I sigh and start with the frosting soup. I sift powdered sugar and paddle it in with sprinklings of salt until the texture and flavor are restored. I resent the cloying taste in my mouth. It ruins my appetite for sausage and peppers. Then I get to work on the cake, easing it from the pan, trying to keep Ula from hysterics as only half of it comes away. We can reconstruct it with layers, I tell her. But all the while, this little voice snaps and snarks in my brain. Bob didn't want a cake. I didn't want a cake. I worked all day. Why do I now have to feed seven people for dinner? Why do I have to cook in this mess? I've changed. The young woman who was so eager to nurture her family a few years ago has been pushed aside by this budding crone. This woman who is slowly learning that her personal survival and the survival of her family will rely, to some degree, on her selfishness. The two aspects of my personality have not yet come to term with each other. Ula flails as she frosts the cake. She slaps it in place and slops everywhere, including my freshly washed hair. Hey, I yell, think about how you're affecting other people. And I storm over to the sink to wash my hair a second time. Which brings me back to where I started. My own harsh words admonish me. I have a choice. I can carry on my selfish path or I can drop my anger and help my kid. Just because the crone is older doesn't mean she's always right. I rinse my hair and go stand behind my daughter. We got this, I tell her. I help her press the chunks of broken cake into place, then glue it down with frosting. Sarah jumps in to prep the potatoes. Bob makes the coleslaw. Corey sets the table. I put the sausage and peppers in the oven. Then I go sit down with Grammy and Pop-Up. 
He didn't want a birthday cake. I reflexively repeat as I flop down in a chair. Dad looks over his drink at me. It's not about what Bob wants, he says simply. And he's right. Bob already got what he wanted when we were back in those woods. This is about a celebration. It's about putting a party into a pandemic, about family taking care of each other. It's about appreciating what's going well at the very moment it goes well, then stepping outside myself to give someone else a good moment when they need a boost. We're all taking turns here. When one of us is up, we have to help the one who's down. All seven of us sit around the table that night, drinking, talking, sharing stories, making plans, telling jokes. And I get to see my mom laugh and smile. We sing happy birthday without having to wash our hands, and Bob blows out the candle on a cake that really wasn't meant for him at all. This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon, and this week I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons Sarah Carker and Tatiana Larson. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work and gain access to exclusive content, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. As many of you'll recall, with the help of my patrons, I took last winter off to write a new book about blending family, business, and community for a life that works. The manuscript is called Give Hope, Feed Love, and after much deliberation, I have decided, for the first time in 15 years, to work with a publisher rather than self-publish. I signed this week with Ben Bella Books, and we hope to release in June of 2021. I'll keep you posted with updates, folks. We have been so grateful for all the support we've had for our virtual general store as we work our way through this pandemic. This week, the store moves to its new virtual home, sapbushfarmstore.com. There you can order your meat and groceries, our books, soaps, skincare products, wool bedding and yarn, and now, drum roll please, we are shipping our meats. We're still trying to keep this local and regional, but if you are anywhere in UPS Zone 2, that does include the New York metropolitan area, we can ship to you. So hop on over to sapbushfarmstore.com and check out our meat packages as well as anything else we've got. It is an honor to be your farmers and to help you cook at home with nourishing ingredients. If you aren't local and you're sending your food dollars to your own local farmers right now, thank you. This is going to keep our community economies going and the local food flowing, no matter what happens in the broader world. And remember, our goal is to help the other farmers in our region by assisting with distribution and help keep you out of the grocery stores. If you have an idea about what products we could be carrying as a way to serve you better, we're eager to hear about it. Hey there, frontliners. We have a number of you who have supported our farm for years. I want you to know that we're thinking of you and sending gratitude and prayers. Hang in there. I really do hope you get some rest soon. And to my fellow farmers, again, thanks for listening and thanks for the work you're doing. We are not frontliners, but we are the roots of the system. And while we have a lot more personal liberties right now, we aren't getting the same downtime either. 
We've got the usual labors of the season combined with the pressure to get food to the public as safely as possible. Remember that you cannot execute your calling if you aren't well. Take care of yourselves. While so many are trapped at home feeling powerless, the work we can do to build health and restore community is endless. But we can only do what the day allows. Get some rest so you can keep going strong tomorrow. The work will always be there another day. Stay healthy, everyone. This was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Think that I am